Welcome to Supplier Experience Live from Hicks, where we explore all the latest topics, trends, and discussion points in the world of procurement, procurement technology, and supplier experience management. Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Charlotte de Brabant, a self-confessed digital enthusiast with over 10 years experience in global procurement. Charlotte is a speaker, trainer and ambassador of ISM, the Institutes for Supply Management, and Max Kent, Vice President of Global Procurement at Complete Software. Max has a track record of taking new procurement products and services to market and now uses his skills to lead the team at Complete to help businesses save time and money through digital procurement. Welcome to both of you. And before we get into the nuts and bolts of the discussion on sustainable procurement, Charlotte, could you just start by letting us know a little bit more about your background and what you've been up to recently? Yeah, so I've been in the field of procurement for more than 14 years, Um, lived across three continents, worked in five different industries, and um, really had this whole procurement adventure. Um, adventure really in direct, indirect procurement and my latest engagement was in the center of excellence. And that's when I really was able to also help integrate our um, sustainable procurement program throughout our suppliers and um, really across the globe. But my latest move has been back from the US to Germany and I currently work for Amazon as one of their procurement ambassadors. Thanks, Charlotte. And Max, if I could turn the same question to you. Of course. Yeah. So um, I may, if you could see me look um, like this might not be true, but I've been actually in supplies and consumers for 25 years. Um, So this is all done with moisturizer, actually. But um, so really what um, that means is I started off in school and education supplies, um, pushing a trolley around a warehouse. Um, loading toner cartridges into printers and then working out how HP had done it to make manufactured cartridges. I then joined Lyrico and started off as a field sales representative and worked right up to their corporate sales division, working on some of their largest accounts. I finished as one of their number one salespeople uh, globally. I then um, went into my own business um, as a self-employed consultant working in office supplies and consumables, Um, sold that business into a cost management consultancy, managed their sales team for three years and then went into the field of digital procurement from that. So I already had a background in consumables and supplies, supply chain and working with um, lots of different companies to set up strategic supply agreements. Um, When I joined the company I'm in, it was all about what we could do with that data and how we could work with suppliers to access better pricing and and work with a a range of different um, wholesale agreements really in the digital procurement space. So, you know, I've been working with Charlotte and Amazon for, for, you know, over a year at least now. And um, yeah, some fantastic things coming from that relationship. So um, it's been a been a, a one hell of a journey, really. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you both here today. We're certainly in safe hands with your expertise. So let's take our first subject, definitions and trends. So first of all, what is sustainable procurement? Does it mean the same thing to all people or are we still formulating some definitions around this? For example, is it a mission statement? Is it about ESG or CSR? Or is it about having measurable outcomes? Could, could we be a bit more concrete about what we mean? Max, if I could start with you. 
Yeah, there's a lot of terms being bandied around, isn't there? So back we go back, what, five, ten years ago, we had CSR as the big thing. Now it's ESG. Effectively, they're similar things, but they look at slightly different spheres of reference, if you like. When you go into digital or sustainable procurement within this, sustainable procurement looks at the whole of the business's purchasing activities, to my mind. What are the activities that they're doing um, what uh, suppliers they interacting with, what purchases they making, what business critical activities does that business have to do that has an impact? So if you look at um, the government's SECR reporting, there's three scopes to that, which is a great way to describe it, actually. So sustainable procurement in terms of purchasing services, you have scope one, which is all your travel activities. Scope two is your energy and utilities. Scope three is your supply chain. Now, Charlotte and I were at a conference um, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the suppliers there, Vodafone, gave a presentation on sustainability, and they said that 85% of their emissions are in scope three. And they didn't realise until they looked at their supply chain, which falls squarely in the lap of procurement. So procurement then have to be aware of what the supply chain is doing and sustainability from that angle is not only the carbon emissions, but it's the products you're purchasing, how they're delivered to you, um, what the life cycle of those products is, how they're produced and the, the ethical um, sourcing of those as well. So it's, it's that holistic view of the purchasing and supply chain, I would say. And, and Charlotte, would you add anything to that? Because obviously you've worked in a number of different organisations and I just wondered what, what your experience has been. Absolutely, I 100% agree with, with what Max just said. And just to add on from an industry perspective, um, sustainable procurement is very much really the adoption and the integration of the CSR principles into your procurement processes. And we need to ensure that the decisions which are being made, um, that they meet those requirements. So it's essential nowadays to set up a sustainable procurement program to definitely have these specifications in place for our buyers out there to be able to select sustainable suppliers and sustainable suppliers um, they can also be defined by having for example an a valid ecovadis assessment so we have these um, sustainability assessments that that can take place where they are valid for either one to three years. And if that supplier, for example, is not able to afford such an assessment themselves, we would then also, as a partner, um, pay this, this assessment for them in order for them to, to at least be counted as one of the sustainable suppliers. So living by those standards, I think, is just essential. And just staying with you for a moment, uh, Charlotte, I'd be interested to know in some of the um, about some of the latest trends that you've seen in terms of these sustainability goals, and I guess more specifically some of the ways in in which you think procurement has to react because it's it's very much moving up the agenda, isn't it? Absolutely, um, these these trends are definitely moving up the agenda. We have. A a lot of more investments into the ESG goals, trying to meet them. Um, I think all of us have some, somehow been affected by this whole digital way of working. We are working from home. So this is definitely raising a lot of more, I would say, hot topics out there. What impact us staying at home has um, in terms of reaching our sustainability targets. 
And I think altogether, there is a lot more um, discussion happening right now on describing the new norms on sustainable procurement and being able to produce sustainable products via renewable energy. So I think um, these are just a lot of more new trends that have risen up just lately. Max, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I think really what the catalyst was, was when the IPCC climate change report came out um, a couple of months back, that really kind of was the catalyst, I think, for making everyone sit up and take notice of what's going on. And and the figures that came out of that were pretty scary, really. I think there's no getting away from the fact that the, the world is warming up um, and it's what we do right now that can um, help at least alleviate how fast that happens. So there's different scenarios. I don't know if 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 you've read the report or if any of you've seen those those um, facts and figures within it, but there's some pretty stark stuff in there. And um, it, it just highlights the fact that as a person, if you're working in procurement, there's actually something you can do now. Or if you're working in areas around that, there is something you can do to make a difference. And perhaps it didn't necessarily feel like that in days gone by, whereas you were just part of the company and you're looking at cost savings and things like that, which obviously are still important things. But um, yeah, it's it's um, it's now there's a real um, a real difference you can make within your own company by looking at what your company's impact is. And, it, and as I said before, it's a lot of those emissions are sitting within your supply chain. And Max, Charlotte mentioned also um, uh, the, the theme of goals. And I also wondered, um, you mentioned there global warming. What are some of the actual practical things that you're seeing being set? And by that, I mean things like, is there an emphasis more on uh, local suppliers, for example? What are some of the concrete examples that you're seeing? Uh, it's a lot of it's about data now. So we are getting heavily involved in data analysis on supply chains. So it's looking into companies where they have been you know, taking down the route of SECR reporting again, they're having to get hold of data. And and if you look at the government's kind of guidelines on this, certainly in the UK alone, it's saying you should have this information already if you haven't write to your suppliers. And if you're in procurement, you know what, how that goes. You know, you it's not like you can walk over to your filing cabinet and start scanning invoices. So with a digital system, they access to data. That's the first part of it. So there's a lots of um, companies and thinking around how do we calculate this faster? How do we get um, the numbers we need in in an easy format or something that we can actually get our hands around um, and, and look at how we can put uh, some sort of strategy in place so we know what we're actually doing? Um, we've seen some of the assessments we've done already allow us to look at that data, look at carbon conversion ratios and how that plays into the supply chain data with our customers. So it's actually quite interesting because you're putting numbers in front of them and supplier figures that they have no idea of. Um, and certainly when we look at customers who are using perhaps two different suppliers for the same activity and they're spending same, similar amounts of money with those suppliers, the carbon emissions and impact that those two suppliers uh, uh, are causing can be wildly different. So it's a real eye opener for some companies, and that's the first step of it. I think that's just looking at the picture. What the next part is, is actual solutions on what we do with the data and how we how we reduce the impact through working with the, the data and the supply chain and everything else. So um, I hope we start to see more of those solutions start to come through now. 
And, and Charlotte, from your perspective, um, Max mentioned their digital systems, for example. What do you see as the role of software and technology in sustainable procurement? So how will these tools help, do you think, to foster a, a greener future? Very good question, Duncan. So in general, sustainable procurement softwares, they can help to definitely reduce costs by providing a clear view of your supplier's relationship that you can leverage. And then you can gain a lot more transparency in your procurement process, increase efficiency, improve communication, and thus uh, inevitably reduce errors as well. And um, on, actually on the topic of, uh, of data, um, obviously, as you've mentioned, Max, it's super important, but it seems to be one of those areas that I think within uh, procurement supply chain for the last decade or more, getting access to that, that data has continued to be one of the obstacles that get cited. Um, and I just wondered, uh, from your perspective, the data that we have today, what are some of the steps that organisations might want to look at in order to take the right action to, to improve that? And again, that, that could be technology related, but there could be other steps that are that are needed. Um, yeah, I think there's a few steps. I think there's there's the process stage of it of actually getting everyone in the in an organization into the same mindset that by following certain processes around procurement, so using the preferred suppliers, using suppliers that are in place to work with an organization strategically, it's not just the procurement have said this is who you use because we're we think they're the best. It's it's so much more than that. So everyone has a part to play in that. If if the end users start going off piste and thinking, well, I'm going to save X amount by going to a local supplier or going to a different supplier, that's not going to help the overall picture because the real sustainable impact can be helped by working with the, the bigger suppliers strategically. Now, on the systems side of it, that's more about um, using and controlling those suppliers so that they are providing the right goods and services and not going beyond that. So you can control all of that with the system. So I think that's that's probably the two main things there, I'd say, that that play into it. And, and Charlotte, question to you, actually, just going more, more generally and, and beyond the question of data, what are some of the positive steps that you've seen more generally within procurement? So um, some of the challenges that have been overcome. Um, just some of the positive steps. I think overall there is a lot more um, discussion right now on establishing a sustainable procurement program. And there are a lot more conferences, a lot more attention has really been given to that topic. And it really started also with the Climate Pledge in 2019, but now with the Sustainability Pledge. It's really a call to action for many um, companies to create awareness and make us all ambassadors of the sustainable procurement program that we have in place. So it's um, it's it's kind of, there is a new discussion for all of us to work together and, and change the world together. So starting with ourselves, but sharing knowledge, listening to others, best practices, a lot of sustainable benchmarking and trying to, to and act the right way. So, of course, there are still challenges. Not every company has all of their senior stakeholder buy-ins. So this is really one aspect that we still need to put focus on is to educate our senior leaders to allocate certain budgets to be able to set up an internal program to start to track sustainability within your supply chain, try to be able to, to um, open up new opportunities for suppliers to also um, be able to get these sustainability assessments. 
Um, so I think there's still a lot of opportunity, but it's it all starts with, with also with our senior leaders, with allocating resource, allocating budget for them to be able to um, really have these targets. And I think overall, there is still a limited understanding within our supply chain of all of our professionals of, of sustainability issues. So it's, I think it's very important that us as organizations, we educate our workforce, we educate the importance of having the sustainability um, targets and the and the importance of having such a program. Um, I think this is definitely it now is the right time to be able to to start. But I understand that it does take resources and potentially a restructure within organization. So there are still some challenges um, that we need to overcome, but uh, a lot of room for growth. And Max, just coming to you on that on that same point. Yeah, I think that's a really good point you make, Charlotte. I think we we see that where where we're looking at sustainability with certain customers, they see their suppliers and the impact they make. What's happening is that once that resource is allocated and they can see where it's going, yes, I totally agree with you that it's about the senior leaders buying into it. And you may not have all of the buy-in from all the senior team. There's still these attitudes, I suppose, sometimes, that, you know, what's this going to do for us as a company versus is it going to, you know, it helps the planet, but does it make us more profitable? And we've still got investors and shareholders to to um, keep happy as well. And um, so that, that uh, you know, plays to your point exactly, Charlotte. So it's, we see it, but once it's in place and they put these numbers in front of it, the next thing that's happening is they're seeing the impact of the suppliers, talking to the suppliers and vendors and saying, well, this is your impact. And they're saying, well, no, we've, we've done better than this now. Can we get our intensity ratios down? Can we work with you to reduce our impact? So it, it's it's great once it's in place and we're seeing that starting but i think you're absolutely right that there still needs to be that mindset shift in the leadership teams to to really make the difference and that i think is the big difference i'm just looking at some of the net zero goals now for 2050 to get to net zero by 2050 means that we have to have 60 percent of all cars electric by 2030 and um, I think by 2025, no new coal, coal, oil, gas fields or plants approved development. I mean, that's huge just to do that. Uh, 2050, we need 70% of all global electricity to be generated by solar and wind. I mean, that's that's a big, big ask, but it starts right now with the leaders in those global businesses really understanding that it's them that can make the difference. And Max, do you think we should be measuring um some specific metrics around progress towards various different ESG goals. What what does that tend to look like in, in your experience for organisations? Um, yeah, one of the interesting things around that is you have the sort of dichotomy of a London, take London, for example, with um, less travel, less transport, less people going back to the offices. So less light switched on, less cars being driven to there, which actually came out as a DEFRA report in 2007 around a no cost or low cost solution being one of the answers to sustainability. So actually, it makes sense. If we travel less, we produce less carbon emissions. The business is producing less travel, so our emissions go down. However, the dichotomy is that everyone wants people to come back to the office. So 
how do we how do we manage that as leaders within a business to go well we again know that we need a certain element of the workforce to be in a place where they can collaborate and i think that everyone's agreed on that versus travel that isn't necessary where we could do video calls and 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 such like so i think those are the the sort of goals that we see is is kind of businesses trying to weigh up the balance actually and going how much of our staff do we bring back versus the impact that it could have on us so that's that's probably one of the most interesting ones I've seen. And Charlotte, any anything to add around that? And I'm thinking here around um, what success looks like from uh, as outcomes from these programs. Okay, so one of the factors that that I see um, having that, that has evolved is, for example, in my last organi organization, they set up a. Uh, center of excellence, really specializing on sustainability. We've allocated a whole department. We had a big restructure where they very much just focused on procurement excellence within sustainability, really defining the goals, um, objectives, but also roles and responsibilities and, and allocating um, certain leadership, but also a whole task force to follow through these um, this new program. And it went through down to all of our categories where we um, had different criteria um, started to go started to um, divide our all of our suppliers into three different phases and um, within these phases uh, really tackled very much um, the whole supply base and really try to enroll this all of these um, sustainability assessments within our supplies, supplier base. So an example, the way we tracked success was um, that we had an EcoVadis um, assessment that they all had to pass, that was mandatory. And then secondly, they were able to either present two uh, public sustainability goals, for example, or prove uh, or provide a CDP assessment. And, um, and this was really the, the carbon disclosure where CDP, they really helped the suppliers to engage and understand how much water is being produced on behalf, by them or how much carbon, how many, how much fresh forest is being cut uh, in, in, within the production. So these are really ways that we could um, firstly see how our supply base is looking like but then also how can we track progress by making sure all the suppliers enroll into our assessments and for us to be able to, de to develop these suppliers and to make sure that they have a solid sustainability program in place. And then just um, building on that point a little bit Max if I could come to you um, I'd be interested in your views on the wider benefits of sustainability from a business perspective. So this is the sell-in back to the organization, right? So is it brand value? Is it better matching investor shareholder expectations? Is it the outcome that you have better collaboration and innovation with, with suppliers? What kind of things are you seeing there? Oh, really big one. I mean, there's uh, we work with a lot of um, UK schools, multi-academy trusts, education sites, um, and that is the children saying to the senior teams and people they see on site, they don't know who, who they are especially, but what they are saying is, why does that van keep turning up? Um, and they're working it out and saying, well, okay, that van was here yesterday. Why does it keep turning up? Surely it's got a lot of space on it. Could it not have all the things we need on it on one day when it turns up rather than every other day? And 
the senior teams are, are speaking to us and I imagine lots of other companies because they don't have a concrete answer. And what it is, is, is actually coordinating procurement across multiple departments and sites. In a, and, and as we know, multi-site businesses are complex beasts and need that kind of corralling with the system. So you you have to put something in place to start consolidating supplies. I mean, they should be doing it anyway, but in some of the the school trusts and places like that, they're under-resourced. They don't have the luxury of having a procurement team or even the budget necessarily for a, a whiz-bang system that's going to do all this for them. So, you know, they then they then start going, well, the, the real impact is, you know, the, the children not giving us a grief for, for, for ordering and having lots of um, polluting vehicle diesel vans turning up and delivering to us. So I know that's a fairly simple thing, but you then get into things like renewable energy and things like that where they're putting up you know big selling points for renewable putting solar panels i guess on the roof of a school is that they put a big monitor in reception to show what the energy generated by solar is so that all the children can see it which so i think that goes beyond it sort of plays to p to pr and marketing and it's this it's along similar lines but i think that's a more tangible impact for children so it actually brings it home you know i've got young children myself it's a tangible impact where I can see actually they're going to benefit from this and they can see what impact we're doing. So it's not just that I work for a company, I'm sat on the computer all day. They can see that what the what the outcome of that is. And I think that's probably more important than than sort of PR for a company that's, you know, on one hand doing something that's fairly carbon intensive and on the other hand offsetting it by planting some trees. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the probably the the major impacts I've seen, certainly from a personal point of view. And Charlotte, we've spoken before actually around uh, the, the topic of supplier relationships. And, and I just wondered, going back to the point of uh, collaboration with suppliers, do you think these types of programmes are strengthening those relationships and those ties with, with suppliers? How is that changing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I started to even have a focus on sustainability and when I joined our sustainable procurement program uh, campaign initiative I actually hosted one of the biggest webinars uh, back in, in in 2018 on sustainability and we had around 700 suppliers on on that webinar it was a very very tremendous big initiative in three different time zones um, and that really um, enabled us to, to be very much open about it. We were very much describing the scope. We were having very open communication and doing live Q&A and being able to really engage in a discussion with one and, and another. And I felt that this was an occasion where suppliers also started to open up. They started to ask questions. We didn't hide the fact that who we work with. We had a, Everybody was able to see each other and we were able to um, just really have use sustainability as, as one of the topics that we can all learn from, we can benchmark with and, and share best practices, how other companies went about it. So I think it has opened up new opportunities for trust, for partnership, and especially in, in these times that we are in, this is now the right time that we need to learn from each other. And in this specific field, I say sustainability, um, cybersecurity, diversity and inclusion, the, the, these are really three areas where we must work together to, um, to create a, 
uh, a more better future for us. Now, while we are defining procurement, while, proc while procurement is changing drastically with all of our uh, technology enablers. So this is a really good time to redefine our procurement strategy and to be able to partner uh, with each other rather than work against each other. And talking about uh, this redefining of um, the procurement strategy in, in particular, um, Charlotte, we spoke about this before, and I just wondered, are there, in your view, also new people skills that are needed or um, perhaps uh, different knowledge that's required with, within procurement? Is there some kind of levelling up that needs to take place from your perspective? Um, very good question. I mean, in, in terms of new skills which are being developed, absolutely. I see we are developing, especially our profession is developing more in towards a more strategic function. So um, looking at all of the skill set which was needed in, in the past where we just went through our numbers, where we went through our Excel and there was a lot of manual hard labor involved. Now we can leverage our technologies, we can leverage assessments, we have great software providers who can help us to start a proper procurement program and even if we start small but as long as we start and our procurement um, experts or, or uh, talents they can then focus more on on these strategic topics how we can further develop um how we can further engage more suppliers and i think this is also going towards picking up the phone and actually establishing a relationship with your supplier instead of just um in these big corporations i always see that sometimes we don't even have this personal contact any longer but being able to actually engage with the suppliers making each supplier feel that they are important and um, allocating responsibility, every voice is being heard. I think this is where we are striving towards these soft skills, which um, goes back to our core competency, I think also of negotiation, where we used to meet each other, where we used to speak to each other instead of just writing emails or pinging each other. So I think uh, the, the role and it's, it's, it's uh, crying out for, for more engagement with our suppliers. And different organizations obey um, public goals um, that they have, they have these targets. So by really communicating the importance of, of these targets um, and then illustrating their commitment to these suppliers, that's, I think, how we will be able to, to partner in the future and get more sponsorship, more, um, more listening power at this stage and collaboration. And of course, question, question to you, Max, actually, the what, what uh, Charlotte is talking about there is very much in that area of mindset change that needs to take place. And of course, the, the sudden element of organisational change that's required as well. And that's probably sometimes, I think, one of the hardest challenges to, to overcome. I just wondered, where do you think that impetus is going to come from? And I guess, what should organisations be doing to set the function up for success in this regard? I think it's it's hard for people to ignore it and it's this time around feels different I mean if we've already talked about the climate change report being a catalyst and various other things that are happening now perhaps the children of the senior leaders saying to them about what are you doing about to save our planet I mean it could be something as simple as that certainly with some of our uh, key suppliers and one in particular has really gone down the sustainability route and that all came from an epiphany their CEO had whilst in a sales call 
where I think they were the major client. The major client was talking about sustainability and they came out of that call going, we need to change as a business. If we're going to be operating and we're going to retain this client, we have to be different because otherwise they are going to go with a business that does have better sustainable credentials. So something like that, that makes the senior, the senior leader, the person at the top, suddenly the penny drops and they realize, I think that's the bit that really does help. Um, there's not really sub a substitute for that unless there's something you can put in front of the senior team. I mean, you know, I'm doing the same thing at the moment where we're we're definitely coming around to the fact that we need to do something about it. We're carbon zero as a business, but in terms of having more of a sustainability approach to some of the services we offer, um, you know, that even that is is getting the rest of the senior team to buy into it. Now there are a lot of people that do, and there's other people that are coming around to the idea. But I think if you went back five, ten years ago, they would have just dismissed it offhand and now they've sort of coming back to me and going well, what's this sustainability thing all about because I'm seeing lots of it online I'm seeing it all in the news it seems to be quite popular doesn't it I mean yeah it doesn't half make a difference when you're talking to people and you mention you're doing something with it for them to suddenly be a lot more interested in, in what you're saying so you know that that gives a commercial angle which is probably helps oil the wheels I'd say Absolutely. And so I guess I guess just to, to wrap up here then. So and, and I'll stick with you for a moment, Max. Um, just to conclude, what would be the, the sort of advice, the, the next bit of advice that you would give, given that this is moving up the agenda, it is more urgent? Uh, what, what's your kind of key takeaway? I think you just can't ignore it. You have to do something about it. It's not going to go away this time and the figures are only going to get worse and we don't want to be part of the problem. So if you're not doing something in your organisation, I think you need to ask ask your senior team what, what they are doing. If you're involved in the senior team, you can make a difference um, and you're probably going to get asked about what you are doing about it if you are in that sort of position. So, you know, the time is now, I would say. Uh, and Charlotte, what would your concluding thoughts be? So just my my final thoughts towards sustainability in relation to businesses. I think now is the time for businesses to definitely engage to what extent they want to continue offering remote working opportunities. At the end, it does have benefits um, from the sustainability point of view or whether companies want to start offering more commuter benefits. But I think this topic um, will be, it, it's not, the, the discussion has not finished yet. I think we still need to find a, a way to, um, to, to find a good synergy between home office and going into, into the office. Although I know that we are social animals, so we all do miss, miss seeing each other, but uh, it does have uh, environmental benefits. The second one, I think it will be using more sustainable products if it's sustainable packaging. And, and the third, I would say, is making sure you use more energy efficient upgrades for businesses, for productions, what we can do to, um, to focus on, on upgrading our technology. Well, I think you're absolutely right. The uh, discussion certainly isn't finished. And just to sign off, Charlotte, where, where can people, if they want to continue the uh, conversation with you, where's the best place to, to find you? Well, definitely reach out to me via LinkedIn for any further questions. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that come in. Fantastic. And same question to you, Max. Where's uh, the best way to get in touch? 
Uh, likewise, LinkedIn is where it's all happening these days. So uh, yeah, please come and find it. I think both of us are fairly um, easy to come across on, on on that platform these days. So um, yeah, you'll you'll find us there. Well, thank you both for joining us and thank you also to our listeners. Lots to think about and lots to digest, but a, a truly engaging discussion. Thanks everybody for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button. Or for more information about us, visit our website, www.hicks.com.